Good morning, church family. Good to see you this morning. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and glad that we can be back here together worshiping God this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 22. Leviticus chapter 22 will be there in just a few minutes. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of those black books on the back of the pew in front of you. And Leviticus 22 is on page 101, page 101 in your pew Bible. Uh, today we're continuing our series on the name of God. I hope it's been a, a good series for you. I, I hope you understand the, the reason and the purpose behind it. We, we uh, want to understand that these names of God that we've talked about, even the name Yahweh himself, uh, it's a, a name that God has revealed to us. And, and really more than anything, it's not so much a name. It's not necessarily that we need to, to call God by another name, but these names are descriptions of God. It helps us to understand who God is by what he does. It helps us to understand his character. And I, and I hope that um, as we, in some ways, we're, we're wrapping up this series this, this week and we're going into a, uh, we'll continue this series into December, but it'll be a slightly different focus. I, I hope that as we wrap this up this morning, uh, that you will have grown and understood more about who God is. I know that you've understood, probably if you're a Christian for any amount of time, you've understood that God is good, amen? God is good. I know you understand that, but I hope that through these different studies and looking at these different names and, and what they mean and what the people have named God and what God has named himself, that we, we understand and we wrap our minds around the things that God has done that reveals who he is, that tells us about his character. It tells us about this God that you have dedicated your life to follow. This God who you have dedicated your life to uh, be his child, to be one of his servants, to live a life after him. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Today we're talking about this question, what does Yahweh require of you? We talked about who God is, we talked about what God does, we talked about all these different names. Now let's think about as we begin to somewhat wrap up this series and, and shift into a, a different uh, focus in this series, what does God want from you? What is this God who we serve, this God that we've talked about, this God that we've learned about since we were children in, in Bible class and vacation Bible school and, and read about maybe most of our lives, what does he want from you? Again, as we think about the name Yahweh, we understand that in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 15, this is the name that God reveals about himself. He says that it is his memorial name, that he, he differentiates himself from all the other so-called gods that the people worshipped and followed. And he says, listen, I want you to understand that this is who I am. I am Yahweh. And even that name itself reveals a great deal about God, that he was, that he is, and that he will be the only eternal living God. Uh, we also understand from Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, that, that, that Moses is given this name. And he's, he, when Moses is about to, to go back to, to uh, Egypt and, and get God's people uh, away from the slavery that they're experiencing there, this is the name that is revealed to him so that he can tell them, hey, the God... I, I have known Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but they, know, they knew me as God Almighty. But I want you to understand even something more about me. And that's where he says, you will tell them that the I am, that Yahweh sent me to deliver you from these things. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse number seven in the Ten Commandments, God says himself that when we think about his name, we're not to use it in vain. Now, what does that mean? Not to use the name of the Lord in vain. Certainly that means uh, probably not saying things like, uh, OMG or, or oh my God in, in, a, in a disrespectful way. But it means more than that. Don't think about, don't talk about, and certainly don't treat God flippantly. Don't, don't 
approach him in any form or fashion. Don't wear the name of being a follower of God or being a Christian, but then not live like it. Don't, don't put your, don't put uh, his name on your life and then not make your life look like what he would want it to look like. It talks about this in Leviticus, as we talked about. Look at Leviticus chapter uh, 22, verses 31 through 33. Leviticus 22, 31 through 33. Jesus, excuse me, God is talking here and he says, So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord or I am Yahweh. And you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be. Listen to what God says here. Listen, Christian, follower of God, follower of Jesus. Listen to what your God says here. But I will be treated as holy among the sons of Israel or among my people. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh who makes you holy, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. He reminds them there at the end. Hey, the, the greatest thing that had ever been done for the Israelites up to this point was escaping Egypt and being brought to the promised land. He reminds them, hey, that's who I am. I'm the God that did that. I will be treated as holy. I will be treated as holy. And we need to understand that. And as we think about this question, what does Yahweh, what does the Lord require of us? Let's think about the question. What happens when we don't treat the Lord as holy? What happens when we don't treat the Lord the way he demands, the way that he commands to be treated? Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1012. We'll be there for a while, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll be in the book of James for a while, so please turn there. James chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 10. I want, I want to warn you a little bit about this before we get to it. James chapter 4 is not a comfort passage. It's not a passage that's, that's made to, to make you feel good, okay? Uh, but, and, and, and you may even read it and say, well, that certainly can't be for me. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. But let me remind you that James wrote this to Christians. He's writing it to people who had uh, a faith just as strong as yours, maybe a faith stronger than yours because they were closer to the time of Jesus' life. And so when he says these, these difficult things to hear, it's not because... He wants to make you feel bad. It's because he wants you to check yourself. He wants you to say, hey, are you treating God as holy? Because he demands to be treated as holy. James chapter four, let's read verses one through 10. What happens when we don't treat God as holy? What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Now, we could say this about ourselves as Christians. Certainly, we could say this about the world, about our culture in general. What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Okay, well, maybe you don't see yourself in all of that, but maybe you see yourself in some of that. What's the source of trouble in your life? What's the source of trouble in the world? Well, the source of trouble is because we fail to treat God as holy. And here we have this hard-hitting verse in verse number four. He says, again, writing to Christians just like you. He says, you adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world sets himself as an enemy of God. Again, adulteresses, you adulteresses, that's strong language. We look at that and say, that, he can't be describing me. That, that would never be me. But he's writing to Christians. 
And why are they called adulteresses? People who have broke this covenant relationship like a, like a marriage, someone who has cheated on their spouse. Well, Christians, we're supposed to be fully, absolutely, 100% committed to God. And then he says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, if you want to be a friend of the world, what, what, what's a friend? If you want to be a friend of the world, how are you a, how are you a friend of the world? Do you enjoy spending time with the world? Do you listen to what the world has to say and take it into consideration about how you're going to live your life? Do you set aside other things so that you'll make sure that you can spend time with the world? Well, what's the world look like? Well, maybe that's entertainment. Maybe that's lust. Maybe that's finding joy in physical things, it's greed, it's, it's any number of things. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes God his enemy. Verse number five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? His, he jealously desires the spirit which he made to dwell in us, he gives, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, scripture tells us, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse number seven, be subject therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and, and he will draw near to you. And again, it's hard words here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and cry. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. And again, we look at that and we say, man, that's, that's harsh, James. Why, why, are you, why are you coming at us so hard? And we don't, we don't know exactly what, what congregation or, or what group of people James is writing to here. It's not, it's not addressed to like a letter to the, the Corinthian church like Paul writes or the, the church at Philippi like Paul writes. We're, we're not exactly sure what group of people uh, that, that James is writing to. And, and maybe that's purposeful. Maybe it's because James isn't writing to any specific group of people. He's writing to any of us who would have friendship with the world. And, and he says all these things be miserable and mourn and weep. Well, why, what would cause us to do that? What would cause us to be miserable and mourn and weep? Well, if we, if we recognize that, that I've lost something that should really mean something to me, that would make me miserable. If, if, I've, if I've lost something and it's, it's no longer in my life and it was really important to me, then, then I would mourn that loss. Maybe I'd weep over it. Well, what is it that, that Christians would lose that would make us feel that way? Our relationship with God, right? My, my, my closeness with God, my salvation from God, my, my desire to be with God, his love for me, all of these things. And, and, and here again, like Jesus himself says, you can't serve two masters. Uh, James is kind of repeating that idea is, hey, you, you cannot be a follower of God and a friend of the world. You cannot love both God and worldly things because either you'll love one and despise the other or you'll hate one and love the other. We, we've got we've to make it, um, up our minds. And here James, not writing to people who are not Christians, who haven't made that decision yet, but writing to people who have already made that decision. He reminds them, hey, are you making mistakes? Are you doing things that you know you shouldn't do? Or are you breaking this, this commitment that you've made to God? You see, listen, if you became a Christian just to be saved from your sins, you became a Christian for the wrong reasons. If you became a Christian just to be saved from your sins, just so you wouldn't be punished, you became a Christian for the wrong reasons. 
You see, Jesus is the Lord of the Christian's life. He's the one who's worthy of my life. He's the one who I love and adore and care for and want to please and be with throughout eternity. And because of those reasons and because my sin separates me from that hope, that's why I become a Christian. Because I want to be a follower of Jesus. Because I know how much he loves me and I recognize how much I love him. He goes on to say in verse number 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Peter says it this way, humble yourselves and he'll exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares on your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves in the presence or in the sight of the Lord. Like the song we sing, humble yourselves. We probably understand that idea of, of humbling ourselves. We've, we've heard that before. And in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, if you want to turn there, it's, it's, uh, it's been read to us already, but I want to read it again. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. That's on page 779 in the Pew Bible. Micah 6, 6 through 8. Uh, notice again what it says. Uh, let, me, let me, verse number 6, he starts with, hey, what does God require of me? And he starts with some things that would be extremely valuable. They, they may not mean a whole lot of things to us, you know, oil and, and, and sacrifices and that sort of thing. But these would be things that would be of high financial value in verse number six. In verse number seven, he says, uh, hey, what if I offer my children? Would that be good enough? Is that what God wants? And certainly we would recognize the value of, of offering up. And when he says offering up, he's talking about Offering up as sacrifice. He's talking about like Isaac or Abraham offering up Isaac, killing or, or you know, sacrificing them in that way. And, and certainly we would recognize the, the value, the cost of that. And he says, that's not what God wants. Notice, let's read it. Uh, it says in verse number six, what shall, with what shall I come before Yahweh or the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings and with yearling calves? Is the Lord pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? And again, those things are, are financial. Financially valuable. Can, can I, how, much, how much money would I have to give to God for him to be pleased with me? How many valuable things, assets, can I, can I give to God for him to be pleased with me? Then he says in verse 7, Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Can, can I give it my children? What, what does God want? What, what, what would it cost? What would it cost for me to be pleasing to God, And then he gives us this, this answer that's almost too simple. Verse number eight. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. What does God want from you? What is this God that is the the Lord of hosts, the God of God, the King of kings? What is the creator of heaven and earth, the one who who reigns in heaven and is in control of everything on earth? What does he want from you? The one who sent his son to die for you, the one who loved you enough to do that. What what does he want from you? Micah tells us he wants you to do justice, do the right thing. To love kindness or mercy. When, When people do wrong to you, You don't do wrong to them and you forgive them and you are kind to them and to walk humbly with your God. Again, repeating, echoing the words of what James says to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Again, those that idea of humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, that's that's a familiar idea to us. And I wanted to briefly, as we begin to close this morning, give you three points that I think can be action points for you. How do you humble yourself to the Lord? 
What does that look like? Point number one, don't be so arrogant to plan anything without including God in everything. Don't be so arrogant to plan anything without including God in everything. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and we'll make a profit. Yet you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. When you make a decision at work, when you make a decision for your family, when you make a decision on where you're going to go to school or who you're going to marry or if you're going to have kids or anything, any, any certainly significant decision, are you including God in that? Are you praying to God and asking for his direction and asking for his will to take place? Or do we just flippantly say, well, God's going to bless me. I'm doing good things or this is what I think is right. Are we including God in our plans? Point number two, don't be so foolish to allow the wisdom of the world to guide you. Look at James chapter three. Verses 13 through 15. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. We, we know also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't, don't be so foolish to allow the, the wisdom of the world to guide you. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good conduct, his works, and the gentleness of wisdom. But... If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Though this wisdom is not coming down from above, but it's earthly. It's natural. It's demonic even. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above. Okay, so here's, here's, we, we don't want this wisdom from the world because it's, it's natural. It's, it's demonic. It's evil. I don't, I don't want that kind of wisdom. So what kind of wisdom do I want to, to guide me? Well, I want wisdom from above. Okay, well, it's described. This wisdom from above is described here in verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure. Okay, well, what are your motives? When you make decisions, what are your motives? The natural motives for most of us is what's best for me. And oftentimes what's best for me, if that's all I focus on, doesn't take into account what does that mean for other people. But wisdom from above is pure. That means I don't just worry about me, I worry about other folks. It's, it's pure. It goes on and it says there uh, that it's peaceable, it's considerate. Again, thinking about other people, not just myself. It's submissive, submissive to God and even perhaps submissive to others. The wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits without doubting, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Listen, um, how many of you guys did uh, shopping on Black Friday? Probably a lot of us, right? A lot of us went shopping on Black Friday. Maybe even some of you, uh, I heard some of the stores uh, downtown, the local stores, they, they even opened up at midnight. Did anybody go to the, uh, the midnight shopping and they were open from, from midnight to two o'clock in the morning? You know, you don't have to do that anymore. The sales are the same any time of day. Uh, so you don't have to do that kind of thing anymore. Uh, we did, uh, Lena went shopping a little bit and I did some shopping online. Every time I go shopping online, you know what I do? Especially if I'm, Amazon's where I normally shop. I don't necessarily look at the reviews 
But I look at how many stars the reviews have, and then I look at how many reviews there are. You know, if it's five stars, but there's two reviews, eh, I, don't put a lot of, I don't put a lot of weight into that, right? But if it's four and a half stars, but there's 3,000, then yeah, the, the five-star one has more stars, but the four and a half one, or even the three and a half one, has more people. So I, so I take into account uh, the, the consideration or the wisdom of other people's experiences. And we've got to be careful about that, right? Now, that's, you know what I bought? A vacuum cleaner, <laughs> That's on a vacuum cleaner. But listen, on important decisions, am I looking at what the world has to say? Hey, this is the best thing to do. This is the way you ought to go. This is the way that everyone else is going. Look at how many thousands of people are doing this. Am I looking at that wisdom from the world? Or do I even take the time to consider what would God have me do? You want to humble yourself to the Lord so that he can exalt you at the proper time. Don't plan without God and don't be so foolish to allow the wisdom of the world to be your guide. If you want to buy a vacuum cleaner based on reviews, okay. But there's more important things and you know what I'm talking about. Number three, how can we humble ourselves? If God is God, allow him to transform your life. This God that we've been talking about this, this being that, that claims to, to be eternal, that he has no beginning and he has no end. He's the first and the last, the, the alpha and the omega. He's the, the almighty God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the Lord of creation. If he's the one who sent his son to die for us, if God is God and if you are going to say you're going to be a follower of, of him, then allow him to change your life. And yes, that means you have to change Even if you've grown up going to church your whole life and you're a pretty good person, you still have to change because it's no longer about you or what you want. It's about what God wants and how he needs to use you to further his purpose to reach the lost in this world so that they can be saved from their sin. If God is God, if he's your God this morning, and I say it to myself just as much, if he's my God today, then allow him to transform your life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, after talking about the mercies of God in chapter 11, says, Therefore, because of the great mercy of God, I beg you, brothers, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be, tra- don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. What does God want? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. What does God want? What does the Lord require of you today? Love, justice, and kindness and walk humbly before him. This morning, today, take this with you. You can apply this now. How do I humble myself to the Lord? Don't make plans without God. Don't plan anything without including God in everything. Secondly, don't be so foolish to allow the wisdom of the world to be your guide. You know, the wisdom of the world changes so often, doesn't it? It comes in fads and Ideas become popular for a little while. This is the way you ought to do it. No, this is the way you ought to do it. No, this is the way you ought to do it. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. He tells you what is right and he expects you to do it. And then just just make up your mind. Just make up your mind. You won't be perfect at it. You'll fail and you'll mess up. We all do. But if God is God 
If you're going to allow him to be the Lord of your life, then allow him to change your life. And that happens as simply as beginning with studying his word and trying to understand the things that he wants you to do. This morning, if you're a Christian, you know what God requires of you. This morning, if you're not a Christian, God sent his son to die for you so that you could be saved from your sins, but not just so you would not go unpunished. But God, it doesn't say God wanted people to not be punished, so he sent his son to die for us. God so loved the world. How much do you love the Lord? Are you following him? Have you submitted your life to him? This morning, if you're not a Christian, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you have any needs this morning, church family, we'd love for you to come and tell us about those things as we stand and sing.